the murder mystery podcast. The story unfolds each week. Will you guess the killer? On the murder mystery podcast, it's the London Connection. Episode 5 The note from Gia on Olivia's desk is short and sweet. Heather wants to see you. Millie's eyes give nothing away as Olivia reaches Heather's office. The Minister of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy is standing looking out of her office window. Minister, says Olivia. The woman turns to her. I had a call from Lord Chatwood. I don't know who that is. Claire Boyd's father. The woman's eyes explore Olivia's demeanour. He's raised a complaint to me. Okay. You've been bothering his daughter, apparently. Bothering? says Olivia, her brows dropping. We met, certainly. How did you meet? At the police station. I was there to give my witness statement, and I take it you aren't planning to see her again? Possibly. Why does it matter? Lord Chatwood doesn't want his family brought under any pressure at this delicate time, says Heather. Mrs. Boyd asked me to visit her, Minister, not the other way round. I didn't pressure her into anything, and I got the impression that she wasn't bothered by my being there, quite the opposite, in fact. She's feeling in need of support after Stephen's death. And that support is being fully provided by her family. What did you say to her father? I assured him that all my staff will do as he wishes. Can I ask a question? says Olivia. Heather's slight frustration starts to show, brought on by Olivia's refusal to be a doormat. Of course. Do we know anything about the circumstances of Stephen's death? The police are dealing with all that, says Heather. We don't need to concern ourselves with it. Aren't you curious? says Olivia. It would look bad if it turns out that it was suicide rather than an accident, wouldn't it? Reflect badly on the department... What makes you say that? Heather is suddenly more engaged with the conversation. What Claire told me is that Stephen had a tendency to be secretive. He kept things from her. Maybe he got in over his head and chose to end it all. Olivia's expertise from dealing with witnesses and clients gives her a heightened ability to see how behaviour gives away thought. And Heather's whole attitude has shifted in the last minute from reprimanding boss to self-protective politician. Let me make a suggestion, Minister, she says. While treading very carefully, obviously, if I happen to find out any more about the circumstances surrounding his death, I can keep you updated. Heather's eyes move into a smile, acknowledging Olivia's perception of the issues. Yes, she says slowly. I think that would be a good idea. Shaftesbury Avenue is busy with traffic as Olivia makes her way along the pavement and turns up Great Windmill Street, then left into Ham Yard. Ellen is sitting on one of the soft seating areas in the Ham Yard Hotel, with half a margarita in front of her when Olivia arrives. As she sits down, Olivia can see that this is quite a different woman, from how she was on the night of Stephen's death. Then she was calm, confident and happy, 
Now, she's broken. A waitress comes up to them and Olivia orders a glass of Malmac. How are things? says Olivia. Difficult. Is it Stephen? Ellen takes a gulp of drink. He wouldn't have killed himself, she says. I've known him for six years. It's officially an accident. I know. You don't believe it, says Olivia. No, I don't. I miss him. What do you know about his background? Olivia senses this woman knows more about Stephen's private life than she's told her so far. Ordinary. He grew up in the North, middle class, went to uni, came out, got a job in the civil service straight away. Worked there all his life. What was he like? says Olivia. Ellen can't help revealing tender memories in her face as she thinks about Stephen. He was a kind man, she says. Thoughtful. Perfect, then. Ellen looks at her, directly in her eyes. He had his weaknesses. Ellen slows her delivery as she trawls her memory, and Olivia waits for more. He could be overly protective, and he went into panic sometimes, when he couldn't control everything at work. A control freak, says Olivia. She's intentionally spiky. Could be, says Ellen, quietly. He did get passionate about some things, and then he wanted everyone to do it according to his plan. Did that extend to his private life? says Olivia. She writing a blog post or something on him? says Ellen, smiling. I'm just nosy. They both laugh, but she doesn't let go of her line of questioning. What about his wife? What do you know about her? I knew Claire before she met Stephen. I sort of introduced them. She's a cold fish, though, says Ellen. When she was in her early twenties, she slept around, string of blokes, all sorts, too. She just dumped each one when the new man came along. She's rich, isn't she? From a rich family, sure. Her mum and dad used to be plain old Gerald and Patricia Harwell. She's a judge, and he was an MP years ago in Devon. They made him a baron when he retired. Now they're Lord and Lady Chatwood. You know them? I used to go around to her parents' place in Mayfair. A huge house. They had a place in Sussex, too. I was maybe twenty-one when I used to go there. They all seemed a bit distant, really. Like they had fingers in loads of pies. And they weren't going to tell you about them. Think they had something to hide? Says Olivia. Ellen shakes her head and shrugs her shoulders. You trust Claire? Says Olivia. Ellen thinks for a moment and finishes her drink as she does so. Probably not, she says, and looks up at Olivia. Another drink? It has started to rain. On the windscreen of the black cab, droplets appear and are pushed away by the wipers. It turns into Drury Lane. Greer pays the driver and runs across to the glazed doors of the Delaunay restaurant and disappears inside. The place is nearly full, but the maitre d'hôtel is the essence of calm generosity, as he shows her to a table tucked away to one side, that he keeps for his special guests. 
Greer orders a bottle of Sauvignon and looks around at the clientele. After five minutes, the man walks in who she's waiting for. Tall. He's wearing a bespoke Oswald Boateng suit in dark blue under his Macintosh. As he is shown to her table, Greer's mind can't help thinking that this man, Adrian Gilbraith, editor of the news app News Source, is going to be very useful to her. Greer, my darling, you look fabulous. You always do, Adrian. He widens his eyes in recognition of the words. They order starters. I saw Jeremy in the news the other day, saying something about the civil service chap who died. We didn't run the story. He was just buttering them up as usual, she says. He's good at that. You don't often compliment him, Greer? She smiles politely. He has his moments. Still fucking that tart, is he? Adrian takes a mouthful of wine. I didn't come here to talk about my husband, she says. I want your help. Above board or underhand? Mm, both. Intrigue. Lovely. Their starters arrive. They're both having Dorset crab salad. How can I help? I want to be an MP, Adrian. And how can I help with that, Dolly? Pull strings. Run some stories about me says Greer. You do know you need to be voted in, don't you? No need to be rude, darling. Sir Bruce is sorting that. Jeremy's father, says Adrian. An old member of Parliament helping the next generation, eh? He's finding a safe seat and convincing some old boy to retire. And you want PR cover from me, to position you as the next best thing since sliced bread? Greer drinks her wine and looks over the glass at Adrian as he eats his crab. I think we can do something, he says. I'd be indebted to you. That's an interesting choice of words you use, says Adrian. There is a quid pro quo. What? In exchange for supporting you unequivocally as a candidate, you'll owe me one, as they say. They smile at each other. Then Greer picks up her Sauvignon again, and Adrian does the same. They chink glasses and make slight nods to each other. Ellen has to go and leaves Olivia to finish her drink. She moves around to where Ellen had been sitting on the bench seat, gets out her laptop and starts to see if she can build a file on Evan Rice to help her think about the questions she has in her mind. Evan Christopher Rice is the son of Lionel and Delia Rice. He's the younger brother to Greer. After attending Winchester College, he went to Durham University, where he studied art history. As Tom had told her, Evan got a job as a researcher in the Houses of Parliament, but was sacked after being caught having sex in the Commons Chamber one August evening. He disappears for a couple of years online, then emerges as a lobbyist, working for Anstone Lobby Partners. There is little on the clients of Anstone, which doesn't surprise Olivia, as lobbyists don't like the glare of publicity. There's a very short profile piece on the Anstone website that says hardly anything about Evan's expertise. She searches again about the scandal, but there's nothing, which makes her think it was hushed up. Finally, 
Olivia searches for Evan Rice, girlfriend, and finds one Facebook entry with pictures of a party on a beach four years ago. Evan is there with his arm around a woman. The caption reads, Evan Rice and Cat Beecham. Can she really be his girlfriend? All alone, Miss Street? The voice comes from across the table, and she looks up. Violet, how are you? Can I join you? Please? Violet seems to pour herself into the chair opposite, without spilling a drop of her daiquiri. What brings you to London's red-light district? says Violet. Soho? Is that still true? Olivia pulls her eyebrows down. You may hide sex away, but you can't escape it. Were you just passing this place? says Olivia. A business meeting? Violet waves her hand vaguely over her shoulder. Olivia takes the opportunity to ask the question she wanted to ask last time they met. Tell me about Jeremy, she says. What do you want to know? What's he like? In the sack? Good, considering his wife isn't interested. What's he like as a man? What makes him tick? Thinking of trying to get into his bed, Olivia? I'm going to have to work with him. Insights about clients are always useful. Aren't they just? says the woman. Well, he's sensitive, kind at times, and likes simple pleasures. That's a reaction to his privileged childhood, when they carted him off to boarding school too young. But on the other side of the scales, he's jealous, childish, and he can be cruel. Who's he jealous of? Greer, mostly, she says, and anyone with a better lifestyle than him. And for some sad reason, he constantly seeks out people like that for his companionship, then doesn't understand why he gets frustrated at their shows of wealth. Why is he jealous of Greer? She's more intelligent than he is, has more friends. People like her. Not many people like Jeremy for who he is. They mostly want to know him for the size of his wallet. Does that include you? Violet smiles. Sleeping with men for a living gives you a certain power, Olivia. But only as long as they're interested. The art is to get out before they lose interest. She sips her drink. What do you want from him? Honesty. Then I fear you're going to be disappointed. Violet stops and watches her. Maybe we can help each other, she says. Maybe. Violet looks at her watch. I need to go. My handsome princes wait. Cheerio. She raises her glass as she turns to leave and walks across to a group of men at the bar.